So if you have your Bible's electronic devices, you can either click to, turn to with me, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And so we've been journeying together through the book of 2 Corinthians, and if you're new to Fellowship the Rockies and, and uh, you either only watch this online or maybe this is your first time with us this weekend, is this, this, is, this is normally what we do, and this is what we do. We preach through books. We preach through books of the Bible, and that as the topics come, we just deal with the topics. And so it, it forces us to preach about the, the, the great things of Scripture, the fun things of Scripture, and sometimes some, some things that are a little bit difficult for us. And so Paul comes to this point. Place, and he begins talking to the Corinthians about this issue of generosity, about this issue of, of like they're giving. In fact, is when you look at 2 Corinthians, you realize that 15% of 2 Corinthians is this topic. Uh, chapter 8 and chapter 9 are this topic. We're going to talk about them. We're going to go through chapter 8 today, and then next week we'll go through chapter 9, and we'll handle those. Uh, looking at the whole chapter, the whole context of this. And so, and so Paul is beginning to talk about this. And what he's doing is he's trying to help them and teach them how to align their life with Scripture. Because you know what? Honestly, uh, when we deal in life, sometimes we can get misaligned, right? The fact is, I thought about this last week. I had to take my truck in. And I had to get it aligned when Karen and I were in Texas. Remember, I showed you pictures last week. It was show and tell. I have some more show and tell for you later on in the message. And so, uh, and, so, and so we were in Texas, and the only way we got through it was like driving the ruts of the 18-wheelers. Bad things happen to cars when you do that because, because you get locked in the ruts, and sometimes the front end is like jerking the car around, and, and then sometimes you have to get out of the rut, so you have to turn the wheel pretty harsh or pretty hard, and you get out of it. And so once we got through that snowstorm, and then on Friday when we're in Bay City, we're headed back, uh, we're just driving, and I'm like, I noticed that my truck uh, drifted. I mean, it pulled hard to, to the right. I mean, it was pulling hard to the right. And so and then it was Karen's turn to drive, and, and, and I says, Karen, is it pulling to the right? And she says, it's pulling to the right. And I just want to be clear, that is not a political statement, Okay. In this season, I mean, I know, in this season, it's crazy. In this season, people are listening to sermons, and they're like, hey, is that to the right or is that to the left? And, and I just want to be clear, that is not a political statement, okay? Um, in, in fact, is, yes, fact is, just what, since you brought it up, uh, <laughs> the shop that I took my truck to to get it aligned, they didn't care if it pulled to the left or the right. They were just going to readjust it to like the manufacturer's specs so that it performed the way that it was designed. As Christians, listen, as a church, we don't care. If you pull to the left or you pull, that's the right. If you pull to the left or you pull to the right. What we care about is when we come together, we read the scriptures, and, and it helps us, aligns us, because at the end of the day, guess what? We're followers of Jesus Christ. We're followers of him, and we follow him, and that's why we preach the word in the way we do. And so, and so, I, so sometimes we have to look at scriptures. This is what happening, is happening in the, the church there in Corinth. Paul is realigning them. There's some things they excel at, and there's some things that they don't excel at. And so I have a lot of illustrations. I have a lot of stories tonight because I just want you to understand. And see, this is such an easy mes message to preach to this church because you're a giving church. I mean, Paul had a different problem in Corinth. They were excelling in everything else but giving. But this, I mean, this is a giving church. It's amazing the needs you meet uh, in, this, in our community, in our church. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. And so three, three principles for you today. And the, the first one is this. The world's attitude towards possessions normally drifts to materialism. The world's drift, the world's attitude towards materialism or 
towards possessions is normally materialism. So let's just start reading through this. Verse 7 uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Here's what Paul writes. He said, Now as you excel in everything, in faith, speech, knowledge, and in all, do, in all diligence, and in love for us, excel also in this act of grace. Let's just stop right there, and you guys can, can leave that, that scripture up on the screen. It'll take me a while, but I'll get back there. We'll read it in context. But, but when, when, I, when I read this scripture for, in study, all of a sudden I remembered a story that I've, I've like never told you guys in 26 years here of, of preaching and and in 1995, we planted Fellowship of the Rockies. And, and then in 1997, I mean, God was blessing our church in, in unbelievable ways. It was talked about around our state. And then in 1997, all of a sudden, we get a phone call from a church in, in Colorado Springs. And at the time, the church was known as Skyway Baptist Church in South Colorado Springs. We get a call from a lady that ended up to have huge influence in my life. She was well into her 70s. She would be like the matriarch of the church. She was just like one of these women that you know that when she opened up Scripture, it wasn't just for theology. It wasn't just like memorizing a bunch of Scriptures. But when she opened up the Word, I mean, she like met Christ. And she aligned her life with that. She was one of these special ladies. And so she, she called and another individual was, was on the phone with her. And so they said, hey, something really bad has happened at our church. At one time, we were running three to 500 people. And then something really bad happened in the church. And we, like, fired most of the staff. We fired, you know, all of the staff. We ended up firing the pastor. And so now we're, like, down to 30 people. And it's 30 people. And she says, and I, I happen to be the youngest. And so she says, it's like 30 people. And, man, it's just horrible. We, 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 cannot, we can't make our financial obligations. We're about ready to lose the church. I mean, the church is, I mean, the legacy. She said, I, I was like born in this church. I mean, this is the only church I've ever known. This is the only church I've ever known. She said, would you guys be open? And this is before it was even popular, even talked about. She said, would you guys be interested? And it was funny how she phrased it, in a church takeover in Jesus' name. <laughs> and so we said, well, we'll have to talk about that. I mean, I, I don't know. And so we agreed to drive up. Uh, Dr. Kurt Dodd and I drove up, and we sat down with her and some of their leadership, and we heard their story, and we said, well, you know what? We, I, th I think God's in this. And they're like, listen, we're willing to give you the building. We're willing to give you all of the assets. We'll call it Fellowship the Rockies. It'll be Fellowship the Rockies. And, and we agreed that for a number of years that we would come alongside that church. We'd do what is called a restart. And then after a few years, we would break away, and, and they would be an autonomous church. But for the first few years, we would get them going. And so, and so but it required, since it's a Baptist church, it required a, a Baptist business meeting. And so if you've been in a Baptist business meeting, this may give you a little bit of PTSD when I start talking about it. And so, and so not everybody of the 30 people wanted Fellowship the Rockies. Our worship was different. We were louder than what they were. We didn't sing hymns. Uh, we didn't wear suits when we preached. We didn't read out of the King James Version Bible and all of those other things. So we go up, and they invited us for like a practice worship service on a Wednesday night. And so we went up and did that. And so you could kind of tell out in the, out in the foyer, uh, um, I don't know what to call it, a group was meeting about why they should, why they should never vote this in. 
And so I just, I never will forget Miss, Miss Nada, Miss Nada DeWeese. She was in her late 70s. I will never forget. I was standing near her in the worship service, and all of a sudden she stood up, and she, she had to steady herself on the pew in front of her. And I watched this lady lift her hand, worshiping to music that she did not like, that was not her tradition, that was louder than what she was used to. And I watched this lady. I watched this lady just worship. And then I could tell there's a group forming. <laughs> it was probably going to try to keep this from happening. And for us, we just want to do what God wants us to do. The next week, we went up for a business meeting, and the business meeting kind of went south, and some people were speaking, and it kind of got personal, and uh, just some, some things. And, but then all of a sudden, I saw Miss Nada stand up again. And again, she steadied herself on the pew in front of her. And she started calling people by name. And she goes, you guys remember, we were all born and raised in this church. Remember, my, my family's pew was right here. This is, this is the pew I was sitting in when I met Christ. And I, I walked the aisle, and she says, Harold, you and your family used to sit over there, fifth row, piano side. You always sat there. I remember when you met, I remember when you were baptized, and, and Betty, and she calls Betty's name, and she's going name by name of the 30. And she's naming them all. And she's talking about moments when we went to VBS together. We worshiped together. And one of the things, you know this, one of the things about being a Christian is to hand your faith off to the next generation. Look around. They're, we're all 70 years and older. I think God would have us do and the, the whole thing changed. They started clapping. It was a unanimous vote. We took over the church. We did a restart. And now it's two services, four, uh, two, two campuses. Uh, four to 500 people are worshiping at that church uh, this weekend. And, and, but I will never forget, the one last thing, I will never forget that next day, after the vote and after all the official documents were signed, I drove up and Miss Nada and I were sitting in the lobby at, at Key Bank in Colorado Springs. And we're about ready to transfer the assets from Skyway Baptist to Fellowship the Rocky of Cal. And I looked at Miss Nada. We're waiting for the banker, a guy that she had done banking with for, you know, longer than I was around. And I said, Miss Nada, can I ask you, why'd you do this? And she dug in her purse and she pulled out an old school King James Version Bible. And she started to read this verse. And she says, now, as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, also excel in this act of grace. And she said, Charlie, I wanted to live my life. I wanted to end my life. Mature in faith, growing in grace, and grace for people. Because when you, when you look at the scriptures, when you look at the scriptures, Jesus said, love God, love people. And the more you love God, the more you'll love your neighbor and people around you. And then, then the verse goes on and, and says, we'll finish out this verse. The verse goes on and says, and I'm not saying this as a command, rather, by means of diligence of others. I'm testing the genuineness of, of, of your love. 
For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he is rich for your sake, he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. And in this matter, I am giving advice because it is profitable for you. Who began this last year not only doing something, but also to want to do it. Now also finish the task so that just as there was an eager desire, that you may also be completion according to what you have. So Paul is talking to this church, and Paul is saying, you guys are excelling. You're excelling in love, but the one thing you're not excelling in is this issue of giving. He uses the word grace nine or ten times in this in, in, in this. In, 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 in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and it's like human generosity. It's being generous. It's, 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 it's excelling in this. John writes this in, in 1 John three seventeen. He says, if anyone has the world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in for, for him? So the apostle John is asking that question. When you see a need, when you see a need in the church, when you see a need in your community, when you see a need and you begin to turn your head, how can you say? How can you say God's love is in you? Paul writes even deeper in Ephesians 4.28. He says, let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he is to do honest work with his hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. And so one of the reasons, listen, one of the reasons we, we work so that we can steward the resources God has given us so we can share with those in need. And so the first principle is just simply this, is about this issue of, of, of the world is bent towards materialism, but we as believers, we're bent to generosity. We're bent to giving. Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2, he says, Now, about the collection of the saints, do the same as I instructed the Galatian churches. On the first day of the week, each of you is to set something aside and in, in save in keeping with how he is prospering, so that no collection will be need, need to be made when I come. So Paul talked about this issue of giving. He talked about this issue of giving to the local church and meeting needs. The second principle is this. God's attitude towards possessions is stewardship. The world's attitude is bent towards this issue of materialism. God's attitude towards it is bent towards generosity or bent bent towards stewarding the resource that God has given us. Verse, verses 1 and 2, he says, he says, won't, we want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia. The Macedonian church was a, it was a poor church. It was a struggling church. During a severe trial brought about, brought about by affliction, their abundant joy, their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. When I read verse 2, when I just read verse 2, I, I thought of Fellowship of the Rockies during, during a severe trial, during COVID, during a perfect storm. Perfect storm is when three storms come together, a global pandemic, a global re recession, a highly, highly, highly volatile election year that is spilling out into 2021. During that, you, you continue to give. You continue to serve. And I just tell you, Fellowship of the Rockies, this is why it's so easy to preach this message here. This is, there is no stress here whatsoever because you continue to meet needs. Do you realize we did not miss a beat financially in 2020? When churches were shut down, when we were, we were meeting online only, when people weren't gathering. And do you realize most churches cannot even make that statement? But you, in severe trial... Severe affliction, when there are great questions about the society and about, about the economy and about some other things, 
you continue to give, and you not only continue to give, you continue to, you continue to serve. This is one of the greatest churches I've ever been around. The needs, I'm telling you, the needs we were able to meet in 2020 and in 2021 of coming alongside of people, encouraging and, get, and just being generous. Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. He says, instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant or set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. What an amazing statement for him to make. God provides us with things so that we can enjoy them. You should not listen. It is not wrong to have nice things. It is not wrong to take a nice vacation. It is not wrong to have a nice house, to have, have multiple houses, to have nice cars, to have multiple cars. It is not wrong to have any of that. that. But he says, because God provides us those things to enjoy. But he says, steward them willing, or steward them um, in a, in a way of gratefulness to where you're, you're willing to, to give back. And he put this in there. He says, he says, instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth. We know this, right? As humans, we are bent, right? That's why we need his scripture to align us. We are bent to put our hope in the uncertainty of wealth. We're bent that way. How big is my bank account, my 401k, my investments, my retirement plan, my insurance? And Paul, Paul is telling Timothy, help them to understand that wealth, there is uncertainty in wealth. And you don't place, as Christians, we don't place our hope there. We place our hope in God and we're willing to give back. 1 Timothy 6.18, he goes on, instruct them to do what is good. Be rich in good works. Be generous and willing to share. If God has blessed you, bless others is what he's saying. Verse 19. Storing up treasure for themselves is a good foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold what is truly life. And Paul is talking about this issue of just generosity. As, you as God blesses you, you just bless others. Now, this last week, and it's just kind of a funny story. It has a meaning. But this last week, Karen and I, we were like, it, I don't know, it's Wednesday or Thursday night. And we were, we were binge watching something. Um, I'm sure it was a Christian show. Uh, Everybody always wants to know, what is a senior pastor? What does a pastor binge watch? Well, it was probably Little House on the Prairie or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> and so, so we're like binge watching some show, some series. And all of a sudden, Karen's phone lights up, and it's, it's Ana Abrego and Pastor David's wife. And so it was a text message from Ana Abrego. And it was just, it was, it, it, she just said, hey, by the way, uh, we just dropped a half a dozen donuts off on your front, front doorstep. You know, blessings or whatever. And, 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 and Karen's, Karen looked over at me and said, hey, this is from Ana. They dropped off... Uh, they dropped off six donuts for us. And so, you know, it, it was a spiritual moment for me. I mean, uh, I mean, this is amazing. And so Karen ran out and Karen got the donuts. She brings the donuts back in. And so we're opening up the box and, you know, I'm going through the box and, you know, do I want them to eat them in like one setting or do I want to break it up in two or three or whatever? Which one do I want? And I'm, I'm like, and then all of a sudden Anna texts back and says, text Karen back and said, hey, would you guys be open to a phone call and we'll put it on speakerphone? And we said, sure. And so they called, we put it on speakerphone and like, hey, we got to tell you the story. It's a crazy story. We're out on date night and we wanted, we wanted some donuts so we rolled into this donut place and they says we can't believe it happened to us but our, our our verse for the day 
was that verse where Jesus was talking, uh, given it will be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over, talking about you're blessed when you give and those types of things. And so we go into this donut shop, and they look at us and say, hey, we got a bunch of extra donuts. You want like three and a half or four dozen donuts and, and for free. We won't even charge you. And like, absolutely. So they, they got out of there with all these donuts. And then you know what they decided to do? Not go home and like freeze them. <laughs> They're like, who can we bless? And they are now my favorite staff members. And so uh, <laughs> they're like, and so, so they went around. They went around and they started putting donuts on people's front doorsteps. And, and they were laughing harder than we were. It's like they were, they were more blessed than we were. It was hard for me to talk. I was eating a donut. And so, <laughs> and so the point of that story is, listen, you are blessed not to hoard it. You're blessed not to stick it in a freezer and just freeze it. Yes, you need to steward your money wisely. I get that. I understand that. But what he's saying is, is be percentage givers. As you're blessed... Bless. As you're blessed, give. Just steward this. Listen, I know this is counterculture. I know it. I know that, that when we drift, right, when we pull, we're going to pull to putting your hope in the uncertainty of wealth. We're going to pull. It's my money. I worked hard for it. I keep all of it. We're just going to, and I'm telling you, I'm telling you, at, 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 at my heart, Karen and I, we're just, we're just givers. And I have been so blessed in just giving. I've, I've watched people that are givers. They're some of the happiest, more joy-filled people because guess what? Every time, listen, every time you give and every time I give, it's a reminder to us, guess what? I'm, I'm placing my hope on God and not in the uncertainty of wealth. He goes on, verse 11 and 12, and says, Now also finish the task. So that just there is an eager desire, there may also be a completion according to what you have. For if this eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what a person does not have. You're only to give of one's ability. I will never forget. This is, this is something I've saved since... This is something I've saved since um, our... Our giving weekend, when we raise money for the, the new facility, those of you that were with us, we, we, uh, we, we turned in a promise, we turned in a commitment, we did it in a worship service, and, and at the end of every service, people came down, and Karen and I were sitting there, and listen, I, I, don't, I purposely, I do not know how much anybody gives. I don't know who our top givers are. I don't know who, who our least givers are. I don't know who gives, I, 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 that all, when I became senior pastor here, I said, I want password after password after password. I don't want access to that. So I don't know. But I did get to witness some things that day. And so Karen and I were on the front row and people are coming down. And man, I'd watch people kneel and pray and make their, make their commitment and make their gift. And, and uh, this one young man came down and I had, I had never seen this young man. And I watched him, and he came down, and he knelt, and he prayed, and there were a lot of tears, and you could tell he was struggling with something. He made a commitment. And then all of a sudden, he stood up, and he took off his shirt. Now, he had another shirt on, so um, under it. But he took off his shirt. I've, I've, uh, I've saved the shirt. It's, 
It's uh, creep status. I don't even know what that is. I hope, hope it's okay to say that. <laughs> and then it says, death bros. And he took this shirt off. He laid it on the altar. And then he laid his commitment on top of it. And I'll be honest with you. I have an inquiring mind I want to know. And so I went over and I, I, I grabbed this, grabbed him. Uh, here's what he wrote in his commitment. There was a, a dollar sign with a blank, and then it said, my commitment. You're supposed to just fill in your commitment. And he, he wrote this, and he said, uh, I have nothing to contribute beside the clothes on my back. May have been the greatest gift. May have been the greatest gift. Can I tell you, this guy moved from death bros to life that day. He accepted Christ. It's an, uh, it's an amazing thing the number of people whenever I talk about giving that actually meet Christ that day. You know why? Because when you talk about giving, you're dealing with the heart. You're dealing with somebody's motives. You're dealing with somebody's emotions. And so when you look at this, you realize that, man, this church, the Macedonia church that he's talking about, they gave beyond their ability, but, but we don't all have the same ability. And, and so you give what you have, not what you don't have. I don't want you to give on credit. I don't want you to go out and borrow money to give. That's just not biblical. I know there's people out there that may tell you that. But you give out of your resources. You give out of what you have. The third and the last thing is this. The Macedonians not only gave sacrificially, they gave voluntarily. When you look at this issue, churches come up with all kinds of gimmicks to raise money, right? If you've been around church uh, uh, a certain amount of time, you kind of get that. I mean, there's some churches that will tell you, you know, show star pictures of starving children. Uh, they'll tell you some stories to move you emotionally. They'll stack bricks if they're raising money. Uh, they'll do the thermometer so it's always in front of you that you just haven't reached the goal and all of those things. And, but this isn't, this isn't a biblical way, and it's not the way we chose. When we raise money, listen, when we raise money for the, for the new facility, here was our slogan. Here's what we told you. Ask God what you should give. Give that. We'll call it good. No gimmicks, no pressure, nothing. fact is, that's the first time I've ever told that story. No gimmicks, no pressure. Do you realize that oh, since that giving campaign, you guys have given $3.7 million to a new facility over and above what you normally give? There's still about, there's, and so that account is still active. People are still giving to that. Some people have told me, says, we cannot pull back. God has so blessed us. We're, we're not pulling back from what we're doing. And so now then we're coming out of COVID, property, subdivisions, lots are getting like, I mean, like they are red hot. Remember, we bought that, we bought that subdivision at an appraised value of $4 million, and we paid $365,000 for it. Unbelievable what God's doing. We're meeting now. We had developers drive down from Denver this last week. The last subdivision they did was 3,000 homes in Denver area. 
and they're looking at this project. We have another meeting this next week that's going to make the property even worth more. We don't know what God's going to do, but we know this. We're going to faithfully steward what God has given us. And Paul goes on, and he talks about this. He's in verse 3 and 4. He says, I can testify that according to their ability, even beyond their ability, of their own accord, they, they begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in the ministry of the saints. In, in other words, when you give, you share in the ministry of the church. You share in what the church is doing. And the Macedonians, they gave personally, verse 5, and not just as we hoped. Instead, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us by God's will. They gave of their time and they gave of their money. They didn't just do one or the other. They, they served and, and, and they gave. And then verse 9, he goes on and says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich for your sake, he became poor that by his proper... By his poverty, you might become rich. And, and you look at this. When, when you look at this, you might become rich. What are we rich in? As Christians, we're rich in, in, in forgiveness. We are totally and completely forgiven. We are deeply loved. That's the message of communion. We're rich in fellowship. Listen, some of the deepest relationships I've made are Christian relationships. Miss Nada, still, even though she's deceased, she is still influencing my life. I still remember her. It's still a commitment of mine. As I grow older, I want to love people more, not love people less. I don't want to be that cranky guy in church. I don't want to be that angry guy in church. But I don't like this. I don't like that. I, 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 want, to, I, I want to be like Miss Nada. And we're rich in hope to where we... That's why we observe communion. Man, when you, you look at this issue, you look at what, is, what has happened this last year in COVID, and, and even though it was a trial and even though it was a difficulty, you continue to serve and you can continue to give. And this last Wednesday night, we finished up Food Truck Wednesday. Uh, Food Truck Wednesday is where we've been uh, feeding for free. Uh, frontline workers at Parkview Hospital. It's an arrangement we worked out with them. Many of you know that every Wednesday night. We have a couple of food trucks there, and then the workers can come over. They, they give out 150 vouchers a week, and then the nurses and the doctors and administrative staff, what they consider frontline workers, they, they manage that. But then some other nurses and doctors knew we were there, and they would just come over, and they, they could buy a meal, or they could get a meal free if they had a voucher, and they could buy a meal. Do you realize that, that we handed out over 1,000 meals on Food Truck uh, Wednesday to Parkview Hospital? And, and so we were a part of a group. We were a part of a group that did this from Pueblo all the way to Fort Collins, and together we have fed over 12,000 frontline workers, and we've given out about a quarter of a million dollars to the hospitals and doctors and nurses by feeding them. Uh, we, we received, uh, we've received a lot of thank you notes. Uh, this, is, this is from a, a nurse. I won't, I won't read her name. And, and so this is from a nurse, and, and here's what she says. She says, Dear Fellowship of the Rockies Congregation, I wanted to personally thank you for the generous donation of food vouchers to the Parkview staff. I was lucky... I was a lucky recipient of a ticket this last week, and I was so excited. It was such a thoughtful gesture and a generous gift. I've actually tried to, to support the food trucks every Wednesday the entire time. It's just an exciting surprise and a treat to end the, the long shift and have the ability to purchase a dinner. 
It takes the guesswork out of an already exhausted brain. Thank you again for, from the bottom of my heart and for the abundant uh, donations that you have made and invested in us. And then she signs her name. Man, when you look at this, we could have not have done this without you, without your giving, without your tithing to the local church. We did First Responders Day where we remember that. We had food trucks in our parking lot. We had about 300 police, fire, sheriff, uh, paramedics. We delivered food to the, all the ERs in town. We delivered foods to some fire stations. We had the state patrol show up, and so we fed the state patrol. fact is, with the state patrol, went up to one of the officers, and I said, hey, by the way, my name's Charlie Jones. I'm the pastor here. I drive a 2012 Honda pickup. <laughs> Gave him my plate number just in case you see me on I-25. And he looked at me and said, hey, you may be our pastor, but we're still giving you a ticket. Keep your speed down. And so... <laughs> No sense of humor with those guys. No sense of humor. We've ministered to schools and teachers and community leaders. We sent 300 blessing bags to, to Mimbezi, uh, the, the orphanage that we support. And so the whole community of Mimbezi, all the children get a blessing bag. We even purchased cell phones and sent the cell phones over to help the, the, the coordinators that coordinated the different orphanage so that they can do their job better. It's amazing. Listen, I'm telling you. This is such an easy message to preach to this congregation because you're giving. Giving of your resources and giving of your time. If you're here and you've never met Christ, it's just simple asking him just to start a relationship with you, to forgive you of your sins and give you the gift of eternal life. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?